Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. There are 34 distinct miracles recorded in the Gospels, but over the next seven weeks, we will explore and study the seven miracles that John's Gospel spotlights in our new series entitled The Grave Robber. And today, uh, it's my honor to be able to share some things in this series entitled The Grave Robber. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter number 5, uh, we will get there in just a moment to our, our scripture reading and our text. And while you're turning there, let me set the stage for uh, our message today. I'm going to be talking about expectations. I'm going to be talking not just about any kind of expectations, not just uh, carnal expectations or earthly expectations, but we're going to take all of our expectations and in this sermon today we're going to find out how to sanctify our expectations. How many of you believe that little is much when God is in it? Has anybody in the house today ever needed an upgrade? Anybody in the house ever needed a supersize? Well, we're going to talk about uh, uh, actually sanctifying, allowing God to sanctify our expectations. Several years ago, a school district in San Francisco did uh, an interesting experiment. What they did was they chose three teachers out of the entire school district and they told these three teachers that we're going to do something this year in our district that's never been done before. We're going to give you three teachers, 90 high IQ students, and you are going to teach these 90 high IQ students all this year. You're going to let them learn at their own pace. And then at the end of the year, we're going to measure and see just how much they have learned uh, doing it this way with you being the best teachers that we have and 90 high IQ students, and we're going to see what the results is. So at the end of the year, when they tested the students, they found out that these 90 students achieved 20 to 30% more than all of the rest of the students in their school district. And so at the end of the year, the principal called the three teachers in and said to them, I have something to confess to you teachers. I want to tell you that really all this year you were not teaching 90 high IQ students, but rather, I hate to tell you, but these were just run-of-the-mill students that we picked randomly from the district and gave to you and told you that they were very intelligent and they were high IQ students. And boy, the teachers were feeling real good about the experiment at that point until the principal looked at them and said, I have another confession to make to you, and that is that you are not the best teachers that we have in the district. We just happened to draw your names out of the hat first. And we told you that you were the best that we had. And we gave you the best students that we had. 
And therefore, because of higher expectations, we saw accelerated results. You say, Pastor Ron, what is the moral of the story? Let me tell you, most of us get in life what we expect. And wherever we place our expectation, you will find that life usually has the ability to come up to the level of our expectations. For better, for worse, your expectations will have a great and lasting influence on your life. Now, Let's go to the scripture this morning and let's set the stage from the infallible, never-changing Word of God, John chapter number 5, and I'm reading from the NIV version this morning, and this is what the scripture says that actually happened in the days of Christ. Sometimes later, or sometime later, John 5 and 1, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which, it, which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Everyone say 38 years. years. Ladies and gentlemen, that's almost four decades. He had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the Bible says at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. Hallelujah to God. Let me set the scene for us this morning. Modern archaeological excavation teams have actually been successful in uncovering this biblical site known as the Pool of Bethesda. And what they have found there is that it is a two-pool complex, kind of like our modern-day swimming pools. Uh, They found that these pools were about 20 feet in depth. They actually uh, were deep enough to dive in. And they were about as big and covered an area as large as a football field. And around these pools were colonnades or covered areas that provided shade from the hot Middle Eastern sun. And so it was that 
this became, as it were, the seashore. This became uh, the modern-day draw where people came to cool off, where people came to be there together in community. And the Bible says that for 38 years, this man, this invalid in the story, would be brought to the pool. He would go to the pool because people were there. And for 38 years, he had made his living by begging of the people that patronized this area around the pool called Bethesda. Think about it. For 38 years, this was his his, his place that he hung out. What monotony. It is said that his mat was about two feet wide by four feet long. So therefore, we could deduce from that that truly his world revolved around eight square feet. Eight square feet was his world, and that's where you found him day after monotonous day, day after monotonous day. What? And existence. However, if you read the story carefully from Scripture, you will find that there was one thing that brought this man back time and time again to this particular location. And that was that someone had told him, and he had seen with his own eyes, that at certain unscripted times, there would be a rush of water that would come from the springs outside the pool of Bethesda, and it would actually stir up the waters of the pool. And so it was that a superstition grew out of this particular happening, that this was the work of angels. And when the angels would stir the waters of the pool... It was actually thought and said that if you could be the first one in the waters of the pool after the stirring of the waters, then you would be the winner of the lottery. And you would be the one that was healed. The problem was with this particular man, he found himself with no one to help him. And so year after year, he lived in a false hope based on a false assumption. And I would just simply say to people that I have the privilege of speaking to today in this house, that while we might look at ancient times and say, how could it be that angels would stir the waters? And how could it be that there would be a spiritual lottery for healing that people bought into? We in our day have our own superstitions likewise. Is there anybody in the house that is a night owl? Is there anybody that stays up too late at night? No one. Oh, you're in the early service, okay? You all go to bed, so. Uh, uh. Has anybody ever been up late at night flicking channels? And you come across uh, a preacher telling you, his address, and if you will send in a certain amount of money that he will send you a bottle of holy miracle water taken right out of the waters of the Jordan River. Preach it. 
How many of you? Now, now if, you've, if you've sent him in money and you have a, a bottle of holy miracle water on your mantle at home, just, just let me say this. Listen to me this morning because I'm going to tell you that we have our superstitions. Is there anybody that, that, that has ever heard about the anointed prayer clause that if you send in a certain amount of money, you'll get an anointed prayer cloth? Or some even say that you'll reap miracle money off the trees in your backyard. Could I just stand and tell somebody in the house this morning that anything less than 100% reliance on the miraculous power of God and Him alone falls into the category of human superstition. Oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it now, folks. Could I just simply remind you that in this very house, recently, there has been a litany of God-ordained miracles. There has been life that has been restored to babies in their mother's womb. Come on, let me preach a little bit today at CLC. Some things that superstition did not have the answer for. But can I tell you that the prayer of faith still saves the sick? Can I tell this house today that where there was no life, God has the ability to give life. And when all of your hope is gone and no one is there to make you a winner, all it takes is for someone to walk by and ask you the right question. Sir, do you desire to be made whole? Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. You see, this man's problem was not physical. His problem was that he was living on a false assumption that he needed to be first at something. Our world kind of kind of programs us that you got to be, hi, mom, I'm number one. Well, the fact is that most of us are not number one. You know what I found out in 66 years of living? That there's always somebody that's going to be better than me. There's always going to be somebody that has more than me. But likewise, there's always going to be somebody that has less than me. You know what the Bible says? They that compare themselves by themselves are not wise. But you know what every one of us need in this house? Is for somebody to walk into our life that is not afraid to ask us the tough questions. Hallelujah to God. I remember as a young pastor, I had a senior pastor, a preacher, that preached all over the world. Your pastor knew him well. His name was Hewlin Meyer, and Hewlin Meyer, every time that I would invite him to come and preach at Calvary Church, I, I, I almost dreaded it. I'd pick him up at the airport on Saturday night, and for, from the time that he got in my vehicle to the time that I got him to his motel room, he had already asked me so many penetrating questions that I did not sleep any the rest of the night. 
And then when he took the pulpit, he would ask those same questions to the congregation to the point that we would fall on our faces before God and we lost ourselves in prayer underneath our seats saying, God, do something fresh in me. I would like to say to this audience today that I've just stopped by to ask the question of somebody in the house, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Would you like to move your expectations from earthly expectations to a God-sent expectation and a sanctified expectation? You know, if you want God to do something new, I believe that you can't keep doing the same old thing. You got to be willing to move with God. I'm convinced very readily that when Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? Then that called out every bit of faith in this man. He had to make a decision. Do I want it God's way or do I want it according to what I had in my mind was the way? I'm going to talk to somebody right here. I had a friend, had a friend that was born with a congenital heart defect. And as he grew into adulthood and was married, he had simply accepted the fact that he was disabled and he was living in Memphis, Tennessee on social security disability. And just, just making it, just making it on, 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 on social security disability for many years. And then one day he came to his senses And he went down to the Social Security office and said, I want to revoke all of my Social Security payments from now on because I'm tired of living like I've been living and I'm going to do something different. You know what he did? He went to a car auction and he bought a used car and he advertised that car and he sold it. And he went back and he bought two more cars. And he sold those two cars. The next thing you know, he owned two used car dealerships across the street from one another. And someone would come in to buy a car from him and they didn't like the deal that he was offering. He said, you might go across the street and check with my competitor." Ladies and gentlemen, he went from being on Social Security disability to being a multimillionaire. I've stopped by to ask somebody today, how is things working for you the way you have been trying to do it? Could you come into God's house today and say, for as for me and my house, I want my expectations to be upgraded. I want my expectations to be sanctified. I want my expectations to be greater than they have ever been. In 2 Kings chapter number 5, the Bible tells us of a man that had leprosy. And there was no cure for his leprosy. 
And yet, through the witness of one of the domestic workers in his own house, he finally swallowed his pride, and upon her instructions, he went across into the land where the prophet of God was and rolled up at the prophet's house in his chariot with his entourage. Only when he got there, thinking in his mind that the man of God would react in a certain way and come out and and give him a word, all of a sudden he finds himself standing there with a servant of the prophet of God and not the prophet. Oh, help me Jesus. I could preach for a long time right there. Why don't we just go ahead and get it out of our minds how God's going to do what he's going to do. Why don't we just make a resolution this morning that however God wants to do it, it's okay with me. Whoever God sends with a word, I receive the word. The servant said, the man of God says, go and dip in Jordan seven times and you'll be cured of your leprosy. And man, he got bent out of shape. Naaman said, I don't want to take a bath in the muddy river Jordan. I know good swimming holes in Damascus. I know beautiful rivers that are flowing. The Jordan is muddy. You can do whatever you want to, Naaman. But God's word is, how's your way working for you? Can you cure your own your own disease? Has your expectations been frustrated? Let me tell you, I'm so glad that someone prevailed on Naaman and said, oh, sir, if you'd been asked to do something mighty and great, you would have been willing to do that. Why don't you just give it a try? And the Bible says in obedience, he went down into the waters of the Jordan seven times And when he came up that seventh time, his skin became as pure as a young child's skin. Ladies and gentlemen, I say it again. Why don't we upgrade and sanctify our expectations? Let me give you four things, four ways this morning that you can sanctify your expectations. The first way you can sanctify your expectations is begin your day with prayer. Begin your day with prayer. You know what I've done for many, many years? I get up in the morning and this is my prayer. God, I don't know where I need to go today and I don't know who I need to see today. I don't have a clue I've got my schedule, but my schedule is subject to change without notice. All I know is, God, that I'm asking you today to put me with the right people that I'm supposed to be with today. Can I tell someone in this house that if you're not praying, your expectations will be low? If you're not praying as the day begins... You'll go through the day nursing your fears and your doubts instead of sanctifying your expectations. Oh, hallelujah to God. I feel the anointing of God. 
the psalmist David had a hold of this because in Psalm 5 and 1, he said these words, In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. He said, in the morning, you're going to hear from me, God. You're going to hear my voice. And in the morning, I will lay my request before you, and then I will wait in expectation. Hallelujah to God. Glory to God. Doctors have discovered a clump of cells that are located at the base of our brains. They call it the center of reticular activating, the reticular activating system in our bodies is really that that in our brain causes us to notice some things and ignore other things. Is there any lady in the house that ever bought a new dress and then you saw yourself in that dress? but the dress was being worn by about five or six other ladies. You'd never noticed before until you bought one. And then you begin to see it everywhere. Has any guys in the house ever bought a car? And you never noticed that, ever, that, that so many other people had a car like the one you bought. It's the reticular activating system at the base of the brain that causes us to actually notice things that we had never noticed before, and then there's some things that we ignore that, that, that never even make an impression upon our lives. Oh, let me tell you today that prayer activates your goals, and when you set goals, it takes faith to come along beside your goals to take you to see what you need to see and to be where you need to be. And to have that divine appointment that you're supposed to be at for God to actually sanctify those expectations in your life. So everybody say, I'll begin my day with prayer. The second thing, the second thing that you need to do to sanctify your expectations is this. To get into God's word. To get into God's word. Can I lay something deep on you right here? Put on your seatbelt. Because these are deep thoughts with Ronnie. You know what happens to you when you get into God's Word? God's Word gets into you. Isn't that deep? God's Word gets into you. Hallelujah to God. I remember as a 30 year old pastor standing outside on a fall Saturday night in Fort Worth. We had just gotten through renovating our church building. We'd spent some money on it. It was an old building, but I was 30 years old and I was so proud of it. And then I got that fateful call that pastor, the church is on fire on a Saturday night. And I stood outside the church and watched the flames go up and consume the sanctuary and reach into that fall sky night on a Saturday night. And I saw my hopes and my dreams as a young man go up in flames. And while I was standing there viewing and my heart being so low, God spoke to my heart these words. He said, son, 
I'm going to give new life from old ashes. I'm going to give, I'm going to give new life from old ashes. I'm talking to some people today in this house that you have thought that you were doing what God wanted you to do by going and sitting at the pool. But could I tell you that the healer is in the house today? The grave robber has just appeared on the scene. Could I tell you that he walks by and he asks the question, would you like to be made well? How's your way been working for you for 38 years? I suggest that my words have life in them. And God has new life from old ashes. Could I tell you the third way that you would actually have your, 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 your desires actually lifted up and your expectations lifted up is you need to get an expectability partner in your life. There's a bunch of us that have accountability partners. But I'm going to lay a new one on you. You need to get an expectability partner in your life. You say, Pastor Ron, where do I find one? Could I tell you a good place to start is to get involved in a small group at CLC. There's already nearly 300 people, I understand, that have signed up for small groups. That needs to swell to about 500 here. In the next couple of weeks, you need to sign up and get involved in a small group because God wants you to hook up with someone that's got more faith than you've got. When your faith is low, you need to be hooked up with somebody that will speak faith into your heart and into your life. You don't just need an accountability partner, you need an expectability partner in your life that when you're wavering, They'll speak faith in your life for the journey. And fourth and finally, and I close, don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on God. You know why? Because he won't give up on you. He can't. He can't. He won't. I've got news for somebody in the house today. Our God's not the quitting kind. When he walks by, he might ask the tough question, how long have you been coming here? How long have you been doing it your way? Don't ever give up on God. I close with this little story today, and I asked them to put the picture of a guy up on the screens for me. His name is Nick. Nick Vucic. That's about all I can say. V U J I C I C is a guy. From down under. Born in Australia without arms and without legs. 
And Nick's motto is this. No arms, no legs, no problem. Oh, help me Jesus right here. How's your way been working for you? How's your attitude been lately? Have you still got that attitude? I don't have anybody to help me get in the water. You've been living on an assumption, a superstition. And Jesus is walking by today and say, I've got some that don't have arms and don't have legs. And their motto is, I don't have arms or legs, but I don't have any problem. Because I choose not to be angry at God for what I don't have, but I intend to be grateful to God for what I do have. That's Nick. That's Nick. Would you stand all over the room today? Let me tell you about him. You can pick up his book. It's called Unstoppable. Nick speaks all over the world. And in his book, they have a picture of Nick on a surfboard surfing. Tell me how he does that. I don't have a clue. Except he upgraded his expectations. His expectations became, they became sanctified. And you know what he does? He said in his book, Unstoppable, I keep a pair of shoes in my closet at all times simply because I believe in miracles. Uh, Let's give the Lord some praise today. Let's give him some praise in the house. Take your neighbor's hand and lift it up with me right now. I want to pray over you, Father. In this early service today, Lord, I just come humbly, Lord. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.